Good afternoon, everyone. It is Tuesday, January 12th here in Northern California. This is the 25th episode of our News Roundup podcast going from January 3rd to the 11th. Before we get started, this is sponsored by Mission Essential Gear, your one-stop combat shop, home of the Thules, the tactical handbook for unit leaders, available at megearco.com and Amazon as well. Check out the Freelancers, which is a media and research collective dedicated to covering modern conflicts with a soft focus on foreign fighters. Find them on Twitter at CBT Freelancers, Instagram at Freelancers Blog, and their website at freelancersconflictblog.wordpress.com. Also check out Fortress International, which is a veteran-owned research and analysis firm based near Washington, D.C. Find them on Twitter and Instagram at Fortress underscore INT and their website at fortressllc.org. And we will get started. Of course, we're starting off with the COVID 19 numbers and news. Week began with 84 million cases, 1.83 million deaths, and 47 million recoveries. Week ended with 90 million cases, 1.93 million deaths, and 49 million recoveries. There are three countries with over 5 million cases in the world. The U.S., which at the time had 22 million, India with 10 million, and Brazil with 8 million. There are 18 countries with over 1 million cases. The aforementioned countries, Russia, the United Kingdom, France, Turkey, Spain, Italy, Germany, Colombia, Argentina, Mexico, Poland, Iran, South Africa, Ukraine, and Peru. In that order, there were also 25 countries with less than 1,000 cases. There are 32 confirmed cases of reinfection worldwide. 28 of them have recovered so far. Two are active and two have passed away. The India had six. The Netherlands, four for, for Qatar, four for Belgium, three for the U.S., three for Brazil, and one each for Hong Kong, Sweden, Spain, Ecuador, South Korea, Peru, Mexico, and Israel. As of the 9th, over 24 million people have been vaccinated in 41 countries, with Israel leading at roughly 18.69% of the nation's population. It has since grown to over 20% of their population. The UAE is behind with 9.49%, Bahrain with 567 the U.S. with 2.35, and the U.K. with 2.23% of their population vaccinated. The COVID-19 variant that was discovered in the U.K. back in October is continuing to spread around the world with at least one case this week being found in Peru, Iran, Oman, the Spanish region of Catalonia, Cyprus, Greece, Thailand, New Zealand, New York, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Texas, and Connecticut. In New York, Texas, and Georgia, the infected persons had no travel history. In Peru, the infected persons also had no travel history. And in Connecticut, one of the infected traveled from New York and the other from Ireland. In Pennsylvania, the infected had traveled elsewhere from within the state. The COVID-19 variant that was found in South Africa has spread to Ireland, New Zealand, China, and the Canadian province of Alberta this week. And from the third record cases were reported five times in Ireland, four times in the UK and Japan, three times in Indonesia, 
twice in Tokyo, South Africa, Portugal, Malaysia, the Czech Republic, and Mexico, and once in Thailand, Malta, Zimbabwe, Slovenia, Uruguay, Canadian province, Ontario, Brazil, the United States as a whole, and Canada as a whole. Record deaths were reported in Germany twice and once each for the United Kingdom, the U.S., Zimbabwe, Malaysia, California, Ontario, and the world as a whole. On the third, Ireland passed 100,000 confirmed cases and Canada passed 600,000. AstraZeneca's vaccine began distribution in the United Kingdom. As of that date, the country had over 530,000 doses ready for use. The vaccine also filed, I'm sorry, the company filed for approval for its vaccine in South Korea on this date and is currently awaiting approval. Thailand announced that it would receive its first shipment of 2 million doses of the Sinovac vaccine in February, and Egypt approved the use of Sinopharm's vaccine, adding that it plans to buy 40 million doses. The vaccination campaign is planned to begin later this month. On the 4th, Malaysia passed 500,000, sorry, 500 virus-related deaths. On the same day, Margaret Ferrier, which is a British member of parliament, formerly of the Scottish National Party, was arrested after violating COVID-19 protocols. Ferrier traveled from Glasgow, Scotland to London after testing positive for the virus. This came on the same day that the United Kingdom reached 30,000 hospitalizations at the same time for the virus. As a new lockdown was imposed in Spain, the country's first minister, Nicola Sturgeon, announced that the UK variant of the virus was accounting for nearly half of all new cases in the country. Vietnam announced that it would buy 30 million doses of AstraZeneca's vaccine. And emergency medical services for Los Angeles County was ordered to limit the use of supplemental oxygen as the county is facing a shortage in oxygen due to the pandemic. Until further notice, patients will no longer receive supplemental oxygen unless their oxygen saturation falls below 90%, with a few exceptions. Also in LA County, it was announced that patients that are not breathing after 20 minutes of resuscitation will no longer be taken to the hospital due to a lack of ICU capacity in the county. On the 5th, the U.S. passed 21 million confirmed cases and also passed 5 million vaccinations. South Korea passed 1,000 virus-related deaths. In the Netherlands, at least 86 cases alone were reported to be of the UK variant on this day. An Indonesian health minister announced that the country's vaccination campaign would begin on the 13th, which is tomorrow, so we'll see if that happens. On the 6th, Slovenia passed 130,000 confirmed cases. China once again denied a team from the World Health Organization entry into the country to investigate the origins of the virus. No specific reasoning was given. The country also on this day reported 63 symptomatic cases and 79 asymptomatic cases. The country does not report asymptomatic positive test results as official cases for whatever reason. Mass testing was launched in Hebei province, which accounted for 51 of those new cases. And I'm now seeing that China is going to let this team from the WHO into Wuhan to investigate the origins of the virus. So we'll see what happens with that. Also on the 6th, the Netherlands began their vaccination campaign with the Pfizer vaccine. The European Medicines Agency approved the Moderna vaccine for use in the European Union. 
Morocco granted approval to the AstraZeneca vaccine for use, and Australia announced that it had moved its vaccination plans uh, up by two weeks. So the campaign is now set to begin in early March. The country has committed to buying 10 million doses of the Pfizer and 85 million doses of the AstraZeneca vaccines. On the 7th, Spain passed 2 million confirmed cases, Brazil passed 200,000 virus-related deaths, and Russia passed 60,000 virus-related deaths. In an effort to identify and stop the spread of the UK variant, France mobilized all its laboratories in the nation to test against the variant. The nation reported at least 22 cases of this variant on the day alone. Again, China, while undergoing its mass testing drive, locked down the city of Shijiangwang, which has 11 million residents in that city alone. They are banned from leaving the city, and the city's Gaocheng district banned its 800,000 residents from leaving their homes with the exception of one member per household being able to leave and purchase essential items once every two days. On the next day, the 8th, the city of Zingtai, also in Hebei province, banned its 8 million residents from leaving the province, I'm sorry, the city, due to an outbreak in that city. Bhutan reported its first virus-related death, a 34-year-old man with chronic liver disease, the nation which neighbors China and India has so far reported 767 cases. Brazil passed 8 million confirmed cases, and the country also reported another confirmed COVID-19 reinfection, this time with the South African variant. This is the first time a confirmed re reinfection, excuse me, uh, has been either the UK or the South Africa variant. California Governor Gavin Newsom set a goal of vaccinating an additional 1 million people by January 17th. The state will most likely not reach this goal, seeing as the state had started vaccinations on or around December 14th, and at the time of this announcement had only administered less than 600,000 doses. Just to fast forward a bit, the state currently has administered 816,000 doses as of today, the 12th which is half the goal set for five days from now. We will not reach that goal. On the same day, the Indonesian Ulami Council gave religious approval to Sinovac's COVID-19 vaccine, deeming it halal or acceptable under Islam. The Ulama Council is Indonesia's top Muslim clerical body. The vaccine still must be approved by the nation's food and drug agency. Saudi Arabian King Salman received his first dose of the Pfizer vaccine. Singapore's Prime Minister Lee Sam Long received the Pfizer vaccine on the day that his country began its campaign. Iranian Supreme Leader Ayatollah Ali Khamenei called for the banning of the vaccines of Pfizer, Inc., Moderna, and AstraZeneca. It's not clear which vaccine the country will get and when they will get it. Based on reported information by the tracker John Hopkins University, the country has a death rate of around 4.4%. Pfizer announced that lab studies have shown that its vaccine is effective against both the UK and the South Africa variant of COVID-19. It is worth noting, though, that these studies have not yet been peer-reviewed. And on the 9th, Thailand passed 10,000 confirmed cases. The U.S. passed 300. 70,000 virus-related deaths, 
Queen Elizabeth II and Prince Philip received the Pfizer vaccine as their country passed 80,000 virus-related deaths and 3 million confirmed cases. The country also confirmed a case of reinfection, this time with the UK variant, the first such case in the world. And Pope Francis announced that Vatican City's vaccination campaign would begin next week and that he will be taking the vaccines as well. India announced that it would begin its campaign on January 16th, giving priority to healthcare and frontline workers. And that's all I got for COVID-19 news. Nothing for space this week, so we'll move on to Europe. In Kosovo on the 5th, the country's parliament unanimously approved the deployment of the Kosovo Security Force to international peacekeeping missions following a formal request by U.S. Central Command. No location or specific missions were announced, but the force will be placed under the command of the Iowa National Guard when deployed. The security force was turned into an army officially only two years ago, but has not yet undergone the name change. The 3,400-strong force will grow to 5,000 active duty and 3,000 reserve troops by about 2030. In Turkey, on the 3rd, Turkish Gendarmerie forces conducted a counter-terror raid named Yildirim 1 against militants of the Kurdistan Workers' Party, PKK. Five militants were killed. Equipment was also captured, including RPGs, grenades, mortar ammunition, and rifle ammunition. Uh, Gendarmerie is almost like military police, but they police a civilian populace. It's kind of weird. In a separate raid named Yildirim 9 in the province of Moose, that led to the capture of grenades and rifle ammunition. I didn't see anything about militants being captured or killed in that operation. In Nagorno-Karabakh, on the 4th, the Russian military announced that an investigation into the downing of a military helicopter by Azerbaijani forces uh, that that charge from the event has been upgraded from death through negligence to willful murder. The Mi-24 helicopter of the Russian Armed Forces was shot down by Azerbaijan while it was flying over Armenian airspace just before the official end of the Second Karabakh War. Two crew members were killed and one was injured in the incident. It's unclear what the next steps for Moscow will be. And on to Asia, on the China-Indian border, sometime during the week, the Indian Army captured five soldiers of the People's Liberation Army in the Kalash Mountain Range region. Little details about the incident were given, but the soldiers were returned to China as a gesture of goodwill. Taiwan, on the 9th, U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo announced that the U.S. will lift all self-imposed restrictions on contact with American and Taiwanese officials. He stated that the restrictions were imposed to appease the Chinese Communist Party. Taiwan, in its current form, is officially the Republic of China. At the conclusion of the Chinese Civil War in 1949, the surviving forces of the Republic of China and its military fled to Taiwan and officially continued the Republic there. Both the Republic of China and the People's Republic of China, which is commonly just known as China, see themselves as the one true China, and that dispute carries on to this day. The move will definitely anger the People's Republic of China and further strain relations with the U.S. In Vietnam, on the 5th, a court in the country sentenced three freelance journalists to between 11 and 15 years in prison for anti-state propaganda, criticizing the government, and, quote, infringing the interests 
of the Communist Party. The move has received commendation from Human Rights Watch, Amnesty International, Radio Free Asia, and the U.S. State Department. In the Philippines, on the third, militants from the Bangsamoro Islamic Freedom Fighters, BIF, ambushed a group of aid workers in the province of Manguindanao, killing one and wounding three others. Soldiers from the Army's 57th Infantry Battalion chased the militants as they retreated, but there was no word on militant casualties. BIF is a subsidiary of the Mauti Group, which is an Islamic State affiliate in the country, which is infamous for its takeover of Marawi back in 2017. In Indonesia, on the 9th, at 1356 local time, Shwiri Jaya Air Flight SJ-182 departed from Jakarta en route to Pontianak on a 90-minute trip. The aircraft lost contact with the air traffic control tower around 1,400, just four minutes after takeoff. According to flight info, the aircraft's highest recorded altitude was 10,900 feet and latest recorded altitude was just 250 feet just before it lost contact. That plane fell over 10,000 feet in just 22 seconds. Of the 62 people on board, 56 were passengers with children among them and six were crew. It's uh, safe to say that all those people probably passed away. Just after the crash, fishermen excuse me, in the area reported seeing what looked like aircraft parts in the water Additionally, locals reported hearing two explosions around the same time that the plane lost contact. The plane's crash site was later found the next day along with its two black boxes, and authorities are currently looking for uh, any sort of remains of the passengers. In Sri Lanka on the 8th, the U.S. State Department charged three Sri Lankan nationals with providing material support to a terrorist group over their roles in the Islamic State claimed 2019 Easter bombings in the city of Colombo. Those bombings that specifically targeted Christians and foreign nationals led to the deaths of 268 people and left over 500 wounded. The three are Mohammed Nafour, a recruiter and trainer for ISIS in the country, Mohammed Anwar Mohammed Riskin, who allegedly assisted in the making of the bombs, and Ahmed Mahan Hayathu Mohammed, who killed a police officer during that attack. All three are in custody in Sri Lanka, and the Justice Department said that it would keep the charges over these men in the event that they are released in Sri Lanka. Three Americans were killed in those attacks. In the Middle East, in Pakistan, on the 8th, a court sentenced Zakor Raymond Lakhvi to five years in prison over three counts of financing terrorism. We spoke about Lakhvi's arrest on the last podcast. He is accused of being a leader of Lashkar-e-Taiba, which is accused of carrying out the 2009 attacks in Mumbai, India. India and the U.S. have welcomed the verdict, however, say that he should be tried for the attacks themselves. A U.N. Security Council committee also says that Lakhvi is involved in other militant activity in places like Iraq, Afghanistan, Chechnya, and Bosnia. In Afghanistan, on the 3rd, two policemen were killed in the city of Jalalabad after their vehicle was targeted with an IED. No group claimed responsibility for that. Two civilians were killed in Kapisa province when an IED targeted the head of the province's Lima Council 
he was not injured in that attack. The National Directorate of Security arrested two suspects in Kos province that they say plan to attack a reporter from Gangkosh TV station. Police in Baglan province stopped an attempt by, quote, anti-government militants to kidnap 20 bus passengers on a highway near the city of Pul i Kermi. The militants fled upon seeing the police. On the 4th, a policeman was killed by unidentified gunmen in the city of Masar-e-Sharif in Balkh province. An insider attack killed nine security force members in the Argandab district of Kandahar province. The attacker was also killed. The Interior Minister General Masmud Andarabi announced the activation of a un new unit, excuse me, composed of forces from the National Police Army and NDS. The unit has begun operations in Farrar province and will expand their activities by the summer. In an address to lawmakers, he said, quote, the Taliban is preparing for another war. Therefore, we have prepared for this war for over the past three months. No name was given for the unit at the time. On the 5th, two security force members were killed by unidentified gunmen in Kapisa province. Two Afghan soldiers of the 203rd Corps were killed and another five were wounded in an insider attack in Ghazni province and 10 Chinese spies that were arrested by the NDS on December 10th were allowed to leave the country by President Ashraf Ghani. A report by the Hindustan Times claimed that the president offered to pardon them on the condition that China officially apologized for deploying them to the country. It's not known if this condition was met. Probably wasn't. Little details about the spy ring have been given since their arrest, and this comes amid unconfirmed reports surfaced from President Trump that the Chinese Ministry of State Security placed a bounty on U.S. troops in Afghanistan. It's important to note that a similar report came out last year about Russia uh, doing the same, putting a bounty on U.S. troops in Afghanistan. That report ended up being untrue. On the 6th, a member of the NDS was killed by unidentified attackers in the PD-13 area of Kabul. And lastly, on the 7th, the police chief of Goran province, sorry, Goran district, Herat province, was killed along with three of his officers by a Taliban attack. Militants attempted to storm the police headquarters and the district governor's office. They were later repelled. In Syria, on the 3rd, ISIS militants ambushed a column of buses in central Syria, killing nine people, including a 13-year-old girl, according to state-run media. The Syrian Observatory for Human Rights claimed that the attack killed two civilians and seven soldiers, as well as leaving 16 people wounded. Uh, neither source is really reliable, so who knows what happened. In Hama, ISIS fighters on the same day ambushed a convoy of oil trucks, killing nine and wounding four. And on the 6th, the Israeli Air Force launched airstrikes against targets of the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps and Hezbollah near the city of Damascus. Little details on these strikes were given, uh, but that's like the third set of Israeli airstrikes in Syria within 10 days. In Iraq on the 7th, an Iraqi court issued an arrest warrant for U.S. President Donald Trump for his role in the deaths of Iranian General Qasim Soleimani and Abu Mahdi al-Mahundas last year. He has been accused of premeditated murder. Uh, this goes without saying, but I wouldn't expect this to go anywhere. I don't think anyone's going to want to cash in on that warrant.
In the Persian Gulf, on the 3rd, Acting Secretary of Defense Christopher Miller ordered the USS Nimitz Carrier Strike Group back to the Central Command Area of Operations days after ordering the group to redeploy back to the U.S. Threats from Iranian officials on President Trump and U.S. forces in Iraq were cited as the reasoning for the reversal. And on the 4th, forces of the IRGC's Navy boarded and seized a South Korean flag tanker in the Persian Gulf. The IRGC claimed that the tanker was polluting the waters and used that as a justification to seize it. Iran has been accused of using the ship and its crew of 20 who have been detained as hostages for over $7 billion of Iranian oil revenue in South Korean banks, which has been frozen by the government. South Korea summoned Iran's ambassador, sent an envoy to Iran, and deployed the Changje anti-piracy unit to the region as well. Uh, no progress has been made as far as releasing the crew or that tanker goes. And we will take a quick break. We'll be back with Africa. In Africa, the war between Ethiopia and its Tigray region still continues. On the 3rd, Michele's mayor, Akalti Hali Selassie, called for the withdrawal of Eritrean forces from the Tigray region. This is the first time an Ethiopian official has acknowledged a deployment of Eritrean forces with inside the country. A report by the European External Program with Africa, the EEPA, claim that there has been a mutiny among some federal troops near the mountainous region of Tigray when a unit refused to enter the region to fight TPLF forces. Dozens of injuries were reported, but not a lot of details besides that. The report also stated that Eritrean State News announced the death of Captain Gubasa Kase due to an illness. Five Eritrean military officers have died due to illnesses within recent weeks, and a source close to the EEPA said that Kase was actually killed in action while fighting the Tigray. On the 7th, ENDF officials claimed that they had killed four TPLF leaders and captured nine others. Those killed were Sektore Getachu, who is a TPLF spokesman, Daniel Asefa, a former head of the Tigray Finance Bureau, Abebe Asagan, the head of Dimitsi Wayana Radio and Television, and Zure Asagedon, former general director of the Ethiopian TV and Broadcast Authority. On the 8th, the ENDF announced the capture of Sabat Nega, who is one of the seven original founders of the TPLF. Seven other officials were found along with him. Additionally, the EEPA claimed that heavy fighting was occurring in the outskirts of Mekele. And that's all that's going on for Ethiopia for the week. And we'll finish it off with the Americas. In Venezuela on the 6th, the European Union formally withdrew its recognition of Juan Guaido as the president of Venezuela. The body has delegated the ability to recognize the country's president to the individual European states. This could be a huge blow to Guaido's campaign to claim the presidency over the incumbent Nicolas Maduro. And we're finishing it off with the United States. Before we get into this, I want to thank uh, my man Kyle Larson for 
helping me gather breaking news and other info relating to the events of last Wednesday was a huge help. Additionally, I plan to have Mark Mara on the podcast soon. Mark is a veteran of the 7th Marines, the same regiment that I served in and now covers civil unrest and other conflicts through photography. He was in D.C. when the events unfolded on Wednesday, so I plan to ask him some questions about that when he's on. If you have any questions for him, uh, let me know, and I'll get those to him when we have him on the podcast, too. So this is going to be interesting. Uh, I'm sure what I say about this is going to piss some people off, but uh, whatever. It's got to be said. On the 6th, President Trump spoke to a crowd numbering in at least the hundreds of thousands in Washington, D.C., claiming that President-elect Joe Biden fraudulently won the November election and that Congress had the duty to overturn the results of the Electoral College vote, which is normally certified on the 6th before the January 20th inauguration. The first claim has yet to be proven in a court of law, and dozens of court cases regarding this claim have been dismissed due to a lack of evidence, appropriate standing, or both. The second claim stating that Congress can overturn the results of the election is completely false. There isn't a single place in the Constitution where that is stated as being anywhere near permissible. And uh, honestly, that assertion is absolutely absurd. Why, why would you create a system where the legislator can overturn the results of a democratic election? That really, it really doesn't make any sense. Um, but, you know, whatever. People will believe what they want to. The president urged the crowd to march on Capitol Hill, stating that he would lead them on this march. He did not do so. At some point during the march on Capitol Hill, a group within the crowd began to clash with Capitol and D.C. Metro Police and eventually forced their way into the Capitol building. At some point during the attempt to breach the building, Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick was badly beaten with a fire extinguisher. The Air National Guard veteran was declared dead at the hospital the next day. As the Senate was in session with Vice President Pence residing, rioters tried to force their way into the chambers. A rioter by the name of Ashley Babbitt was shot by law enforcement while trying to force her way into the chamber by crawling through a window. The Air Force veteran of 14 years died at the hospital. As rioters made their way into both the Senate and House chambers, the officials were instructed to shelter in place. At the same time, detachments of the Secret Service, Federal Protective Service, and FBI SWAT were deployed excuse me, to retake the Capitol. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi also requested the deployment of the D.C. National Guard, the request was eventually approved with the entire D.C. Guard being activated, which is about 1,100 troops. Reinforcements were also sent by the Virginia National Guard, the Virginia State Police, the Maryland State Police, and Maryland National Guard. Other states have since sent guard units to the city ahead of the inauguration. Excuse me. Currently, there's about 6,200 guard troops that are deployed to the city with about 15,000 being authorized in the case of further unrest around the inauguration. Rioters stole government property such as Senator Jeff Markley's laptop, mail from the House Speaker and her lectern, which is kind of like a podium. Single pipe bombs were found at the headquarters of the RNC and DNC in the city. They were both safely disposed of. 
the Capitol area was fully secured by responders no later than 1740 Eastern Standard Time. It's about 540. And throughout the course of the day, 52 people were arrested for their involvement in the riot. Five people were killed, including Officer Sicknick, Ashley Babbitt, and another demonstrator that was trampled to death by the crowd. 60 Metro and Capitol Police officers were injured throughout the course of the day. 15 of them, including Officer Sicknick, were hospitalized. Numerous arrests have been made since the events, including Richard Barnett, who is the man pictured sitting at Speaker Pelosi's desk. He was also photographed taking mail from her office. Derek Evans, a West Virginia state lawmaker that recorded himself inside the Capitol. He has also resigned from his position. Lonnie Kaufman, a man accused of having 11 Molotov cocktails in his pickup truck near the Capitol. Nicholas Oakes, a leader of Hawaii's branch of the Proud Boys that was pictured inside the Capitol building. Adam C. Johnson, the man that was pictured stealing Pelosi's lectern. And Jacob A. Chansley, the man pictured wearing a buffalo headdress while storming the chambers. <laughs> it's something, it's not really important, but a little ridiculous with this dude, Chansley. Uh, he hasn't eaten since he was arrested because they won't give him uh, all organic food at the detention facility is in. So now a judge has ordered that detention facility to give him all organic food. Can't make this shit up. At least two Capitol police officers have been suspended for their actions during the storming of the Capitol. Another officer has been arrested for the same. Some officers were videotaking pictures with rioters, helping others up and down the stairs to the building, or generally mingling with the crowd. More officers are under investigation, according to congressmen. Numerous lawmakers have called for the removal of President Trump before the January 20th inauguration by either the 25th Amendment or impeachment. And just a quick overview, I don't expect the news to explain this, so the 25th Amendment is an amendment that must be enacted by the cabinet and the vice president. If enacted, Trump will technically stay in office, but the powers of office would transfer to the vice president, in this case, Mike Pence. There's a couple other technicalities, but I won't really get into those because uh, this isn't going to happen anyway. So I don't really need to outline the entire amendment to you guys, just kind of the general premise Lawmakers calling for Trump's removal include, but are not limited to, House Speaker Pelosi, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer, Senator Lisa Murkowski, Senator Ben Sass, Representative Ocasio-Cortez, and Representative Ted Lieu, and multiple state governors as well. Articles of impeachment have been introduced in the House of Representatives. President Trump is being charged with inciting an insurrection, and the House will vote on the articles later this week. Plenty of officials have resigned due to the events of the 6th. Those are including, but not limited to, Education Secretary Betsy DeVos, Transportation Secretary Elaine Chao, who was married to Senator Mitch McConnell. I didn't know that until a few days ago. Acting DHS Secretary Chad Wolf, the White House Deputy Press Secretary, the Deputy National Security Advisor, the White House Social Secretary, the Capitol Police Chief, and the sergeants at arms for both the House and Senate. Also, President Trump has either been permanently banned or temporarily banned from multiple social platforms, including Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch. Apparently that's a thing.
Um, but that's uh, really all I got for you guys. A lot of information about uh, what happened last Wednesday is still coming out. So, of course, um, as more info comes out, you, you can see that on our Instagram. You can see that on our Twitter. And I'll include it into next week's podcast. But as of right now, that's uh, all I got for you guys. So I want to thank you all for supporting this podcast. It really means a lot to me. You can find this podcast on your favorite apps, including Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, Overcast, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. So look us up. Again, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Analyze Educate, all one word. And uh, yeah, that's really all I got for you. We'll see you guys next week.